Ecclesiastes states there is nothing new under the sun, while heresy in the church is nothing new. So Kirby Anderson warns you what to look for now on Probe. This week we'll be talking about ancient heresies that still exist in only a slightly different form today. Jesus warned in Matthew 13 that the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But then there was a twist in the story. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted, then the tares became evident also. Later Jesus explained the parable. The wheat is the people of the kingdom. The tares are the people of the evil one. The illustration would make sense to people living in the first century, there was even a Roman law against sowing tares in another person's field. Some of them called this a primitive form of bioterrorism. Jesus is teaching that both true Christians and false Christians will live together. They both may even go to church and seem like Christians. But the false Christians believe and spread heresy within the church and into society. Paul also warned about false teaching and heresy. In what might have been his last epistle, he warned Timothy that, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Peter also gave a warning that these false teachers will come from inside the church. Peter also gave a warning that these false teachers will come from inside the church, but false teachers also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Notice that these heresies and false teachers will rise among you. They will secretly introduce these heresies, and they will use greed and sensuality to seduce Christians. Jude also adds that these false teachers have crept in unnoticed and turned the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. This week we'll be looking at heresies in the past that can be found in a slightly altered form today, just as believers in the first century were warned about false teachers and destructive heresies so we need to warn each other today about these heresies in the 21st century. Ecclesiastes 1.9 reminds us that there is nothing new under the sun, and as we see this week, that is true of these ancient heresies. You've been listening to Probe with your host and president of Probe Ministries, Kirby Anderson. To get more acquainted with what heresy is doing in the church, get Kirby's free transcript on heresy at probe.org. And join us next time here on Probe. Legalism is an ancient heresy going all the way back to the first century. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, said, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to the festival or new moon or a Sabbath day things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. He warned them that those in their midst were actually taking them captive through the subtle lies of legalism. Now, you might notice that what is being listed in these verses are are not instructions on purity or righteousness, rather they're specific Old Testament practices that were given to Israel before the coming of Christ. The Passover is a foreshadowing of Christ's sacrifice as the Lamb of God. While the deliverance of Israel is significant, consider how much more significant is Christ's death, which provides us with deliverance from the slavery of sin and separation from God. The previous feasts and festivals are no longer necessary now that we have Christ in our lives. Jesus addressed legal 
legalism among the Pharisees and scribes, they established all sorts of rules and regulations that were binding on all Jews. Starting with the law, they set out to compile various oral traditions and even began to develop interpretations of these laws. In the end, they even had interpretations of the interpretations that were collected in numerous volumes. By the time of Christ, the Pharisees and the scribes were actually following the traditions of men rather than the law of God. Jesus pointedly asked them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Jesus also condemned the Pharisees by saying, You also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus therefore accused them on numerous occasions of being hypocrites. You know, legalism is our attempt to produce righteousness apart from God. We are challenged to follow additional rules and regulations that we believe will merit favor before God. But in the end, these unbiblical rules bind us and drain the joy from our lives. When we give people an ever-expanding to-do list that is uncoupled from God's power, we wear people down and ultimately drive people away from the gospel. Paul warned Timothy that in the last days there would be people having a form of godliness but denying its power, and he counsels them to avoid such people. Next time we will discuss another first century heresy known as Gnosticism, then we'll focus later on the impact of mysticism on the first century and now in the 21st century. Gnosticism is an ancient heresy that surfaced in the last century, partially because of the discovery of the Gnostic Gospels. Now, the Gnostics were prevalent in the first centuries after the time of Christ, and the word gnosis means knowledge, and the focus was on hidden knowledge that contradicted biblical revelation. For example, the Gnostics denied the existence of sin. Instead, they proposed that the world was corrupted by a demiurge who created it and rules over us. If they believed in sin, they would have said the only sin is ignorance. The Gnostics taught that Jesus came not to save the world, but to impart special knowledge that would lead us to what was called a divine pleroma. If you were fortunate enough to find this knowledge, you would then achieve salvation. In the first centuries, the Gnostics presented themselves as Christians and worked to popularize their ideas among the growing church of believers. They also produced their own texts, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of Thomas, and the Gospel of Judas. Irenaeus was a church father who wrote a critique of Gnosticism in AD 180. He explained that the Gnostics used the Bible alongside their own texts to demonstrate their perverse interpretations and deceitful expositions. They also reinterpreted parables and allegories from the Old Testament in a fraudulent manner. Nevertheless, Gnosticism appealed to many Christians in the first centuries because it had many elements that were similar to Christianity. They believed in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They quoted from the Bible. They practiced some of the sacraments. Many of these same heretical ideas appeal to Christians today. Leaders of progressive Christianity argue that they have a much more mature view of God in the Bible. These leaders believe that they have special knowledge that allows them to set aside the standard interpretations of biblical passages. One evangelical pastor said, the church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. The Gnostics and modern heretics claim sources of knowledge outside of the Bible. They say we know much more now than the early Christians. C.S. Lewis refers to this as chronological snobbery. They assume that they know better than any believer in the past. Today we have people claiming to know what the Bible really means and invite you to join them as they impart their special knowledge to you. More than ever, we should be alert to such leaders who will ultimately lead us away from the true gospel. Tomorrow we'll look at the influence of mysticism in the first century and document how mystical and pantheistic ideas are influencing the church today.
Mysticism is another ancient heresy that we still see today. When Paul wrote to the Colossians, he warned them about false teachers who would attempt to seduce them into mystical ideas. He said, let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflating without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. The term mysticism comes from the Greek word for the mystery religions that existed at the time Paul was writing to these Christians. He is describing someone who is taking his stand on visions he has seen. In other words, this is a person who has had some vision and mixing that vision with the revelation of Scripture. At the time, Paul was writing to a church that was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Many were young Christians and may have brought their pagan ideas into the church. This would have included the idea that you would receive spiritual revelations by entering into an ecstatic state. These Christians also lived in a culture where many claimed that they were receiving visions from the gods. If these young Christians did not have discernment, they might actually believe that someone who had these visions was spiritually superior to them. Mysticism has been a major area of cultural captivity both in church history and even in our present day. We see in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth that believers were confused about speaking in tongues and other spiritual manifestations. Some of the believers were essentially babes in Christ who could not handle the solid food of God's Word. He reminded them that when they were pagans, they had been led astray. Because of their previous exposure to paganism, they were vulnerable to false doctrine. Throughout the church history, certain churches and denominations have brought mystical rituals and practices into their worship experience. They may take the form of chants, icons, or prescribed practices not found in Scripture, but part of a tradition that borrows heavily from mystical ideas. And many of these practices are found today not only in North American churches, but in churches in other parts of the world. Mysticism is quite prevalent outside the church and can have a strong cultural influence on Christians. Many of the books on the bestseller list over the last few decades dealing with spirituality are not books that promote biblical Christianity, but rather books that promote an Eastern philosophy of religion or the New Age movement. Marcionism was taught by a theologian named Marcion in the second century. Although some of his ideas parallel Gnosticism, he made a distinction between the God of the Old Testament and the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. He taught that the benevolent God of the Gospels who sent Jesus was inconsistent with the mean, vindictive, malevolent God of the Old Testament, hence he concluded they were two different deities. He also considered himself a follower of Paul, who he preached was the only true apostle of Jesus Christ. In fact, he even created his own scriptures that included 10 of Paul's epistles and the Gospel of Marcion, which was a shorter version and highly edited version of the Gospel of Luke. He emphasized Paul because he felt he freed Christianity from the Jewish scriptures. He also rejected most of the orthodox teachings of Christianity. For example, he rejected the idea of God's wrath and rejected the ideas of hell and judgment. These ideas, according to him, were tied to the God of the Old Testament, whom he called a demiurge. That God was merely a jealous tribal deity of the Jews and represented a legalistic view of justice. You know, a similar idea exists even today. For example, one evangelical theologian said this, The Bible is an ancient book, and we shouldn't be surprised to see it act like one. So seeing God portrayed as a violent tribal warrior is not how God is, but how he was understood to be by the ancient Israelite community with God in their time and place. 
You know, we might add that an increasing number of pastors and Christians no longer want to talk about God's wrath and refuse to teach what the Bible says about hell and judgment. Books and articles are being written denying the existence of hell. Instead, they teach universal salvation for all. You know, Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. In Luke 16, he describes it as a great chasm that does not allow people to cross from one side to the other. In Matthew 25, he predicts a future in which people will be separated into two groups. One will enter heaven, the other will be banished to eternal fire. We live in a world where heresy, false teaching, and a false gospel are proliferating. That is why we need to develop biblical discernment. Paul said he was amazed that some of the early Christians adopted a different gospel, which he said was a distorted gospel of Christ. He added that if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. These ancient heresies are being preached today. We need to return to the essential gospel and sound biblical teaching.